Yep, I was a geeky child. And yeah, maybe I still am. Back then, I built solar ovens and waited forever, forever, I tell you, to soft boil an egg. Then came along those green and amber screens of the early desktop computers. For me, it was tech love from the get-go. But there was the real adventure to Epcot Center in Orlando, Florida. The experimental prototype community of tomorrow, built by Disney. It was there that I saw PVC pipes hanging from the ceiling, teeming with green. I saw the roots of plants hanging freely with beautiful greenery above, growing like magic. The green future fascinated me. So recently when I got the chance to see just what that futuristic form of agriculture looks like in today's concrete jungle in New York City, I was in. I went below the streets of the city, donned a white suit and oh-so-fashionable hairnet to explore a purple glowing vertical farm. I ate pizza and vegan charcuterie sprinkled with greens harvested from that farm and chatted with some urban agriculture experts. This new ag is changing not just how we think about local food and farming, but what we are eating. It's no longer the realm of childhood dreams. The future, it's here and the possibilities are growing. I'm Christine Kaverman, and you're listening to Fodder, the podcast offering natural products industry professionals food for thought as they innovate in the good food space. It's brought to you by New Hope Network's Escabona platform, underwritten by our sponsors, 301 Inc., Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Whipstitch Capital, and the Giannuzzi Group. Vertical farming is not going to be the only way we farm in the future. It's clear that it's going to be part of a solution. Uh, but I think it's a real one now. And, and certainly it's clear that our cities can do with more of this. And, and the more contact people have with how their food is grown, the better it is. That's Robert Lang, the CEO of Farm One. He's a culinarian turned farmer, a vertical farmer whose land is underneath a Manhattan restaurant that has earned two Michelin stars. His journey to the basement started at a farmer's market when he first tasted papalo, the Mexican herb he describes as like cilantro, but more complex. And I thought, oh, there must be other things like that out there. Um, And so, you know, shouldn't we have access to these things? Shouldn't we be able to, um, you know, share these with more people? And then thinking about cities like New York, it was like, well, how do we grow these things year round, you know? Um, And so that kind of started me on this journey And as someone who didn't have any farming experience, you know, I kind of came at it from a technology angle. Uh, So my background's in software and building, you know, applications and websites and that kind of thing. Um, And so I kind of looked at it like, okay, this is a problem to be solved. And, you know, what's out there in terms of technology that might help us do that? And so I came across these practices of hydroponics and using LED lights indoors and the idea of controlled environment agriculture. Uh, and decided to learn all about it. And, you know, back in 2016, decide, decided to hire a couple of people who could help me with that. Um, and so luckily with their expertise as well, we were able to build uh, the first test farm. But really we came into it, um, you know, as the first people trying to do this for chefs. There's been other people trying to grow lettuces and other sort of mainstream leafy green crops. Um, but we really came in with the idea that we want to grow these amazing tasting rare ingredients and sell them directly to chefs. And that's, and that's what we did. Now Farm One serves restaurants across the city with its microgreens. It has an R&D facility in the Institute of Culinary Education, and it has a mini farm at Italy's rooftop restaurant that produces fresh and rare varieties year round. Like most entrepreneurial brand stories, 
Farm Ones is one of a little art and a little science. We're definitely like a startup business still, which means that the business is the experiment, you know? Um, but since the beginning, it's been a lot of it's been trial and error, you know, getting these things to grow because there's no textbook for this. You know, there's no textbook that says how to grow uh, like Pluto basil in a hydroponic system. Like we have to figure that out for ourselves. Um, so we run all kinds of experiments all the time, uh, partly about like, can we get this thing to grow? Uh, also about well, what's the most efficient way, maybe what's the uh, lowest cost way, or maybe what's the most environmentally friendly way to grow some of these things. Um, and so then we, we create what we call growing recipes. And these recipes define, okay, how should we grow these different products the same way every time? So the whole point is not just to be able to grow it once, but to be able to get the team to repeat that uh, and get consistent quality uh, every time. This isn't just a New York City story. Farm One has plans to take its model to other cities with vibrant culinary scenes, cities that have challenging year-round growing climates, and ones that have the right density. There's one in the works in an unnamed European city later this year, and Robert's hoping to get to other U.S. cities in the next 18 months. Here he is on why he thinks Farm One is ready to expand. The secret sauce for us really, it's a combination of those growing recipes, so all that work we've done in R&D to get things to grow. Uh, we've built our own software for managing the farm, uh, and everything we grow is on a grow-to-order basis. So this software manages space and it manages tasks required to hit all those orders. Um, and then really we've built up a trusted brand with all these chefs. You know, we have about 21 Michelin stars to our name uh, among our customers. Um, so those combination of things, the technology, you know, the design and build expertise, uh, but also those chef relationships is something now that we can then uh, make it work in other cities using the same template. Nearby in New Jersey, Arrow Farms 2 is ready to grow. Already the scale is large. Out of a 70,000 square foot facility, the farm produces one and a half to two million pounds of greens every year. Those greens find their way to customers in restaurants and onto grocery store shelves. Whole Foods, ShopRite, and independent natural food shoppers in New Jersey can find the packaged mixed greens under the Dream Greens brand. Aero Farms uses a patented cloth made from recycled water bottles that allows them to push their towers to 38 feet high and run 80 feet long. Alina Zaltarva explains. It's on this cloth material. We grow exclusively using LED lights, and we do that so that we can get really, really targeted photosynthesis um, from the plants and so that we can actually use the lights to influence um, the, the flavor, the nutrition, the, the shape, the size, the texture um, of the plants um, uh, using different spectra of light. Um, we, we also use a, a, a misting technique called aeroponics. So um, traditionally in hydroponic systems, roots are submerged in water and then they're in nutrients and they're pumped with oxygen, but in aeroponics the roots hang and then they're misted with, uh, with water and nutrients. Um, and what that means is that we're actually using 95% less water than in the field. We're also using a fraction of the water that's typically used in hydroponics. Um, so fresh water um, is, is one of our most precious resources. And today we're having we're in a bit of a fresh water crisis. So when we think about growing food and especially um, leafy green vegetables and any kind of produce, we have to think about uh, where we're getting that water how we're sourcing that water, um, and how we're maximizing um, the use of that water to grow our food. Um, so, uh, so something else that, that, that's really significant is that the way that we grow uh, indoors um, using controlled environment agriculture, we don't have to use any pesticides or herbicides or fungicides. And so our, our produce is completely clean. 
Um, it, it grows, it's, it's, it's harvested, and, and, and our customers can eat it right out of the container. So it's, it's extremely safe um, and uh, uh, you know, better, better for us, uh, better for the planet. Um, yeah, and, and what's really, really neat too is, is uh, because of the, the, the way that we um, maximize the use of, of, of resources and, and um, control the environment, we actually grow um, around up to 390 times more productively per square foot than out in the field. So our greens grow in about 12 to 16 days, but normally takes uh, 35 to 40 days in the field. Um, and again, we're not using GMOs, um, we're using the same seeds that farmers are using out in the field. The difference is that we're optimizing the environment. So through that optimization, we're able to achieve a much better yield and more predictable um, harvests. Arrow Farms focuses on the farm and being better farmers. We're not really in the business of, of trucking produce um, around the country, and so our model is really based on building farms where, where the mouths are. Next, Arrow Farms is going to a yet-to-be-announced city on the East Coast, and expansion plans include building in additional U.S. cities and in Europe. It's also building phase two of its Newark, New Jersey home. With our um, current technology and with our, our current um, business model, um, the economics work. And um, so, you know, we're, we're obviously selling. We've been in the market for a couple of years now um, and we're expanding. But what's really, really exciting is how we um, uh, innovate over time. So we have a team of um, all sorts of, of uh, really talented folks um, from, from a variety of disciplines. So engineers, plant scientists, um, uh, food scientists, etc., that are constantly innovating um, on, on the tech, technology side um, and uh, doing things like integrating machine learning and, and AI um, into our systems. And um, a lot of that we already have, um, and it's just about improving it, um, increasing automation, um, so, you know, maximizing um, quality, yield, things like that. So, with another facility coming online, and a growing innovation pipeline. What is possible in the next five to 10 years? Time will tell. I mean, we are, um, we're, we're always looking for, for, for us, it's really the recipe for, for building a new, a new facility, for building a new farm is, it's, it's really, um, we, we take a holistic approach. And so we're looking at um, where there's uh, the right set of partners um, from, from, a, from a local standpoint, from a state standpoint, from a regional standpoint from a financing standpoint and trying to figure out how to, how to put together um, a plan that, uh, that works for, for everybody involved. The better they farm, the more they innovate, the more they can collaborate, the bigger the possibility. The future for Aero Farms um, can go you know, in, in a variety of, of directions and there's a lot of excitement about um, what we can do to really help um, shift the, the, the way ingredients are sourced, for example. Um, there's, there's a lot of talk right now about um, uh, flavor science and uh, trying to, um, right now when you go to the supermarket, you only see a handful of, of, of uh, leafy green varieties. Uh, we've grown uh, hundreds and hundreds in, in, in the last six months alone. So we can, there's a lot that we can do in terms of introducing rare varieties um, of, of, of produce. Um, interesting um, new uh, varieties from around the world that tell a, a much deeper story about biodiversity 
um, than has ever been done. So there's a there's a lot of um, the, the potential for the, the kinds of things that we can grow and the way that we can do it is, is really enormous. So just how far can businesses like Aero Farms and Farm One push innovation? Can they really change the farming landscape? That's not the goal those in vertical farming say. But diversity, bringing food closer to home, that is. Here's Henry Gordon Smith, an urban farming consultant who is often confused as the vertical farming guy. He founded Agritecture, based in Brooklyn. Urban farming could be extremely diverse. So if you imagine a spectrum of technology from low tech on the left and high tech on the right, it would look like this. On the low tech side, you'd have soil-based community gardens. As you start to move more high tech, you start to make containers. As you move towards rooftops, you start to engineer the soil, try to make it lighter, start to think about engineering in different ways. As you start to move along the technology spectrum, you start to go indoors, you start to create greenhouses or maybe containers to start to control the environment to make sure that no matter what the weather is, it's more controlled. Or maybe you start to remove the soil and do more hydroponic systems to recirculate the water. And as you move to the most extreme, most high-tech format of it, it's more hydroponic stacked systems and what they call vertical farming, where you're doing ultimate control. You're controlling the nutrients, the water, the climate, everything. And what we like to think about is the diversity of that is really the strength. And those typologies, when applied to the right context, for example, the right climate, or the right scale, or the right kind of experience the entrepreneur has, that's when we get the winning strategies for urban agriculture. These urban ag pioneers, they know business can't do this alone. Winning means bringing together communities, governments, and businesses for good. I speak at about 30 events a year, I travel around the world, and I see very similar profile of entrepreneur that is like, I want to solve this food system issue. And I think that is what I see as the fuel, okay? And then I see us as the um, catalyst in a lot of ways. We're the ones who are trying to take that fuel and ignite it and move it in the right direction. And what we need right now is we need almost like the, 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 the people who, who, who create that longer term pathway. And I think that should be cities. I think it can be foundations, etc. Once that piece starts to move in, and we're seeing something, like in Paris, it's proven, like it just worked, it was crazy. You know, I went there five years ago, we're talking about five-year timelines, I went there five years ago, and the deputy mayor of Paris is responsible for green space, and she said, you know, what can we do to take the entrepreneurship that's happening in New York on urban ag? People saw New York as the leader in urban ag, and it still hasn't, but Paris is the leader, I'm sorry, they just are now, you know, and they said, what can we do to learn from that and do it. And I said, make the city the incubator. And they did that. You know, they got the developers at the table. They got the city to say, you know what, we're gonna work with the developers to convince them to give 10-year leases for free, five-year leases to free the entrepreneurs. And we're gonna create a competition around those leases. They got hundreds of applications wow. for 10 sites the first year. And then now they're doing 32 sites for their third year. And these are people developing businesses on historical rooftops in Paris, very difficult spaces, a culture that's very like deep green. They don't want pesticides, they want organic, they want bio. They're, they're very averse to technology as it relates to agriculture. So really not an easy audience. And they've created associations around that community, sharing one of the urban farming companies there has 26 sites in Paris, 26 different locations where they have farms. Robert from Farm One, he says it's a real and tangible future. When I started Farm One in 2016, it was still not clear, you know, if this technology was here to stay. There was a, people experimenting and, and that kind of thing. But now over the past couple of years even, it's become like 
pretty it's, it's become real you know there's real people buying real quantities of this stuff and relying on it you know in their business and so it's gone from something that was a, a prototype or an idea to something that's you know legitimate and you know it's gonna you're gonna see more and more of it uh, over the next decade Thanks again to our underwriters, including Whipstitch Capital, the largest independent M&A and private placement advisory firm serving the healthy living consumer market. The company believes the future of food will reflect a continued evolution of sustainability, improved packaging, local sourcing, and reduced energy consumption throughout the value chain. Whipstitch enables companies to use their innovation for good. Mm-hmm.